we have a treat this morning. I want to introduce Pastor Alan Myers, who's going to come and deliver God's Word. And of course, his better half, Jan, is with us today. We want to thank you both for being here. But ladies and gentlemen, we have Alan Myers speaking with us today. Alan, you want to come on up? It's my pleasure to be here. I feel like I'm coming home. Uh, I miss Dan over here on the piano. Uh, I miss all of the the, the people that uh, we ministered with and to, and uh, they ministered to, to Jan and I while we were here many, many years ago. But, but I thank you for the opportunity. I've been sort of uh, full-time at the uh, funeral home for a while, but I've gone back to uh, part-time because uh, uh, my two kids now have five grandkids, and I want to spend time with them. And so Daniel's going to be moving uh, uh, with the military back to uh, Washington, D.C., and so I'll have access to three of my grandkids then, and so, so that's, uh, I'll have just a little bit more time on my hands. But I want to bring a message that's foundational. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And of course... Uh, uh, my custom is, is that when we read God's Word, as the Old Testament custom was, we stand in respect to what God has to say. So may we stand in the reading of God's Word. Now what I want to do today is that I want to read this verse to you, and then I want us to read it together so that we hear it twice. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now I want us to say it together. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Now, I want to tell you why I want to bring this message. There's going to be a picture of the Brooklyn Bridge on the screen in just a moment. This is a foundational truth that needs to be believed. Oh, it's, it's up there. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, if you notice the things that you see on this bridge, this is a foundational runway in New York City from Manhattan to Book Brooklyn. And in 1872, the chief engineer was getting a lot of flack because for two years, nothing was done that could be seen. He came on the airways and he said, this is what's going on. He said, what you don't see is for the past two years, we have been building a foundation underneath this bridge. And without that foundation, you can't set anything that can be seen. And so in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it's a foundation that we set underneath the waterline. It's a truth that needs to be believed. 
It's a truth that needs to be implemented underneath, in our inner being. Because if not, then what you will see above the waterline is worthless because it has no foundation and it will sink. So this is a foundational truth that I want us to believe with all of our heart and mind and soul. Then and only then will it become a reality to you. May we pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for the grace of God. I thank you that we can come this morning and learn of your truth, a foundational truth that needs to be believed above all else. Lord, when we go through the things of life and life happens, the reality, sometimes, Lord, they can't see what is underneath that waterline. But if we believe this truth and there's a foundation that people will see what's above that waterline and can make a difference in our life. So I thank you for this time. Give us understanding. May the Holy Spirit lead us in and through these scriptures that we may believe with all of our hearts what you have written to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, at some point in your life and in my life, we're going to find ourselves in a wilderness. Now, there are many kinds of wildernesses that we find ourselves in. One is an emotional wilderness. When the, when the reality of life comes, we begin to, to just sort of fall apart sometimes, and the emotions just begin to, to, to fall away. Sometimes there's a relational wilderness. Sometimes there are people that we just cannot get along with. Sometimes that relationship, sometimes it's in the family, sometimes it's without the family, sometimes it's, it, it, it's within groups. But that, that relational foundation should be there. Sometimes it's health. We might get a diagnosis that, uh, of cancer and, and you only got a few weeks to live, months and, and, and things, and, or you need surgery, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a wilderness there that, that you can't deal with. Sometimes it's your reputation. Sometimes people are talking about who you are and what you've done and where you are and, and all of those things. And, and sometimes you, you just can't deal with those things because it's your reputation that is at stake. Sometimes it's a failure that you have in your life. Or maybe it's just an event, unemployment, a loss of wealth. And the list could go on and on and on. But when you and I are in the wilderness, we're always isolated, we're overwhelmed, and all of our normal supply lines of life are cut off from us. In these times of wilderness, you will find yourself utterly dependent upon God for a well-timed help. 
It's if, if He doesn't come through in all of these times of wilderness, you might as well give it up. For 40 years, 2 million men, women, and children were holding an awaiting pattern to go into the land that God promised them. The historical account is in Exodus chapter 16, that if you want to go home and read that account, they were in a holding pattern, waiting to go into that promised land. Two million people. They were in that holding pattern, not in a city where they had access to BJ's, Walmart's, Costco's, the corner store. No, they were in a wilderness, a rugged wilderness where there was nothing. They were in a desert. The thing is that God led them there on purpose. Because when we are in the wilderness, we have no source of supply. There was no food. Because they didn't stay long enough to plant crops. And even if they planted crops, it was a desert area and the crops wouldn't grow. So God supernaturally did something to them. He said, every morning, I'm going to give to you what I call manna. Now, the Hebrew word for manna is, what is this? What is it? Because they had never seen or heard of manna before. And so when it started coming down in the morning, they said, manna, what is this? But it was there. It was God's supernatural provision. Because they had no food whatsoever. The people were instructed to collect this in the morning for that day's food. And they said that they were not to collect more than you needed for that day. Because if you remember the story itself, that if they collected more and tried to keep that for the next day, it rotted. And they were not able to do it. So people that say, oh, I'm going to make a buck off of this. You know, I'm going to put a little sweetener in this and I'm going to sell it. I'm going to make my cakes. And, and they were going to do things. But, you know, after 7, 8 o'clock at night, it began to rot. And by in the morning, it was nothing. Now, that was key for you and I to know what God is doing. God designed it that way so that the Israelites would be completely out of food when they went to bed at night. If God didn't come through with that manner the next morning, they had nothing to eat. They would begin to starve. God was forcing them to learn a truth. To learn that God could be trusted for making all of our provisions for him. That we can survive with his help and with his help only. Now remember, all the supply lines were cut off in the wilderness. But yet, every day, these two million men, women, and children 
for 40 years, not one of them went hungry. Not one of them went hungry. Each day they saw the mighty, supernatural, powerful, perfectly timed provision of God for them. Now today you and I might be in that wilderness. It can be any kinds of those wildernesses. But there's a word that comes true for you and I, and that's the word emergency. Now, Webster's Dictionary says that uh, emergency is a sudden, generally unexpected occurrence or set of circumstances demanding immediate action. Now, think about this. Every night when those Israelites' moms and dads put their kids to bed, they were completely out of food. That was an emergency. If the manna, the bread of heaven, wasn't there in that morning, every family in the nation of Israel would be in immediate crisis. But when they got up and went out of their tents, their houses, the manna was there. And it was there every time. God never missed a day in 40 years. Now, there were special provisions that they were not to to gather this on the the Sabbath. And for the Israelites, that was on the Sunday, I mean, uh, on a Saturday. So Friday, they were to gather two times the amount. But here comes Sunday, the first day of the week. It was there. And so... It was there every day that they needed it. Now, there's another word that I want to share with you that probably you and I don't use very often. It's called existenti. And I want to give you the pearl of that, existentis, I-E-S. Now, an existenti is sort of like an emergency. That when it comes, it devotes all of our attention to that thing. And all the other things that are important for us, we have to set aside for something else, another day, another time. We have to demand our attention to this. Now, I say that because when these emergencies come, it's sort of of like a chain reaction that there are other emergencies that have to be taken care of and the important things of life have to be set aside. Let me give you an example. You and I have been watching the news about Ukraine. The bombs were coming, houses were destroyed, deaths, food just, you know, at at a minimum. That's an emergency. That's an extensive. But with that, they had to put aside all of the things that were important to them in order to take care of them. They had to flee for their life. They have survival on their minds, and that's all. That's the place that sometimes we find ourselves in. And and it requires immediate action. Suddenly we find ourselves in the emergency of exigencies with pressing needs, pressing demands, and pressing requirements. 
And the problem is magnified when you look around and you find yourself completely out of options. All of the normal supply lines are now gone. They've been cut off from you. And there is no pressure in the world like that kind of pressure. What do we need in these kinds of situations? Well, we need immediate help. And it's not within ourselves to do that. Sometimes we're out of cash. Sometimes we're out of a job. Sometimes we're out of health. Sometimes we're out of friends because they won't come to our aid. Sometimes we're out of family and they won't help. Sometimes our health just will not supply what's needed. Sometimes we have these emotional stability that, that we just can't deal with all of this. We're just out of luck and we're out of options. There is no possible way that we find ourselves out of these crushing and confining circumstances, whatever they may be. But here's the kicker. Here it is. If you don't remember anything else, Here's my sermon. But you're never out of a Savior. You're never out of a Savior. And His name is Jesus. He's our sovereign defender. He's our keeper. He's the supplier of all of our needs. You may be out of options in your life, but He's never out of anything. He's never out of any of the answers, the solutions, and he's never certainly out of the power to immediately come to your aid and to rescue you. That's why in these wilderness times of emergencies, with all of the extensions of exigencies, he calls us to come to him. That's why we go back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 where he says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to, his, to our time of needs. Now, that last phrase, grace to help us in our time of need. I remember a time that this was very real to me. That last phrase can be translated grace for a well-timed help. This had been manner for me for over 50 years. I remember the first time that I really fell into the wilderness and realized what was going on. It was my first year in seminary, 1976, and we had just moved from here, Reedsville, to Dallas, Texas. I had tuition to pay for. I had expenses. I had rent. We were cut off from our resources. I was 350 miles away from my family. I was 450 miles away from my mother-in-law. That might have been good. But we were cut off. 
Jen and I were all alone. And I didn't have the resources. I knew that that God had called me into the ministry. I know that we went to Dallas Theological Seminary on God's grace and God's timing. I know that he called me there. But I didn't have the resources to continue on. And I didn't know what I was going to do. At that time, John, Jan didn't have a job. I didn't have a job. And, and, and we were in seminary and we had all this thing. I said, Lord, what am I going to do? You know, all my resources, my supplies, my supply lines were cut off. They weren't just going to give me my seminary training. You know, I was home pondering what to do. And, and just, you know, Lord, I, I'm out of options. I don't know what to do. Well, I had taken a Greek course in Hebrews by Dr. Zane Hodges. And we were going chapter by chapter by chapter. And each time that we had a, a new chapter, he would go around the room and assign each verse to one of the people, students in the class. Guess where mine was. When we came to chapter 4, he gave me verse 16. And he says, I want you to parse all the verbs. I want you to get, get the Hebrew meaning of all the, uh, the Greek words. And, and so when we come to that, I, I want you to be able to explain what those things are. And so when Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, I began to study that. Folks, I want to tell you, that was like manner to me. Because I knew that I was out of options, but that verse was manner to me, and it can be manner to you for God's provision for all the wildernesses that you and I find ourselves in. It was like a well-timed help. Now, my financial burden was not immediately lifted at that time, but my spirit was, because that verse that the Lord had prompted that professor, and he did not know anything about me. He barely even knew my name. But when I came, I found that the Lord wanted me to learn that he would supply each and every one of those needs. It moved me in that verse to believe God will supply all of my needs. In that verse, I knew the Lord was letting me know that his eye was upon me, that he had not forgotten me. He knew the pressure that I was under, experiencing an emergency with all of the exigencies. That verse in Hebrew let me know that God would show up at just the right, perfect time. And did the help come? Oh, yes, it came. But I'll never forget the well-timed help that he gave to me. And the Lord will come to your help at just the right time. Maybe not in our timing, but he will come in his timing 
at the last possible moment. Now, the wilderness is where God does his most important work. And for you and I, it's probably our most painful work, our most painful time. When you're in the wilderness, he has your undivided attention. You've got one thing on your mind, and that is survival. All the supply lines of life that have always been there are now gone. And you see no possible way to make it through. You're out of options. You're completely hemmed in. You don't see any way out. And really, there is no way out. But the God of the Bible specializes in making a way when there is no way. He will get you the necessary and immediate prevention, provisions that you need. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. And he has the power to do all the things. His eye is always upon you. And you may feel that he's afar off, but he's not. He's really right there, very near. The wildernesses that you're going through may be a time in which everything in your life is just going to collapse. It may be a job. It may be a family, it may be a relationship, whatever it is, it's a wilderness. And we're completely out of options. And he understands that you're at the end of your rope. But that's exactly where he wants you and I. Because when we are there, we will depend upon God. You know, everyone depends upon something. You know, he wants us to be completely dependent upon him. Sometimes we put our dependence in people, in our jobs, in the money that we have laid out, in, in gold, in investments. But, you know, everything really depends upon God. So why should we turn to anyone else except the Lord Jesus Christ in these times? Dependence upon him is utterly wise and rational. It really is the place of wisdom. It really is the place of safety. Because it usually takes that emergency, that crisis time, for him to get us right where we, he needs us to focus. He wants us to really trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And he will direct your paths. But sometimes we're never listening until he gets our attention. Until we are in the wilderness of these circumstances. So from time to time, the Lord's going to put you in the wilderness. It's probably not just once. But he wants you to focus. And sometimes we get, we get so filled up with all the blessings of life that we feel that we could do without it. And so from time to time, he's going to put us in the wilderness. Again, 
and again. And we find ourselves in another emergency, along with all the cousins of exigencies and the pressing needs that are there. And once again, we're hemmed in with no way out, no option except to trust and depend on him. This is the real way of thinking. And it's this place that God invites you and I. In Psalm chapter 50, verse 15, he says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. You know, he knows how to rescue us from the wildernesses. He knows how to make a way when there is no way. He knows how to provide a well-timed help in just the perfect time. He proved it every day for 40 years for 2 million men, women, and children that were in the wilderness. He never missed a day of faithfully providing what they needed. He was never late. He was never early. But he was always just in time. Just in time. I want to give you an illustration of this. Many of you know about George Mueller. He was a, uh, a preacher in England. During the 1800s, he was in Bristol, uh, England, and uh, he looked around and, and was thinking, God, what do you want me to do? And he saw many orphans, children that were in the streets there. And he says, what do you want me to do? And God laid it upon his heart to start an orphanage. Now, George Mueller wanted to do this in the right way. And so he started with, with just a, a few orphans. And then it grew for 60 years to over 2,000 orphanage that housed these, these 2,000 people, these children. He wanted a place where they could be loved, fed, educated, given a trade, and introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there was something else that he wanted to do. He wanted to go about this in a different way than anyone else had. He wanted to prove that it was possible to live off the promises and the faithfulness of God. If you've ever read his autobiography, um, he said, I will never ask anyone for donations to support this orphanage. He never did. He never made it public. He never wrote any letters saying, I ask you to support, you know, these 2,000 little children. He never did. And for over 60 years, God supplied. Now, he kept a daily diary. He was very meticulous. The subtitle of his autobiography is that a million and a half answers to prayer. In the, in the flyleaf of, of that book, it says, without ever asking anyone for help but God alone, he humbly claimed that the Lord had answered 50,000 requests, 30,000 of those in the same hour or day, in which they were asked. Now that's what I call a well-timed help. 
But George Mueller put the Lord to the test. Now, you and I have a Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the bread of life. He's the one that will give to you and I the manner that we need. And so when we come back and we hear Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore, let us come with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. What do we need for that? Well, first of all, he says we need a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we may obtain mercy. Mercy is forgiveness of our sins. And what he's doing is asking you and I to come into a, a relationship with our Savior, the bread of life, to provide that manner for all of the, the times that you and I find ourselves in the wilderness, that we might come and that he might become our Savior, that we might find the forgiveness and enter into that relationship. And then he says that I will come to you in your time of need. So how do we do that? Well, the first part of that verse says, may we come with confidence. The King James says boldness. That means that those things that are underneath that, that waterline, we need to believe it. Not just say it, but to believe it in our life. And once we do, we come to him by prayer. You know, George Mueller didn't panic. He just prayed. And that's how we enter into the very presence of God. And that's what he wants us to do. Now, I like to give an invitation, but I, this invitation is going to be just very personal for you. You know, usually I ask people to come down front, but, you know, we're proud people today. And we don't really want people to know that we're in the wilderness, whatever kind of wilderness that is. But I want to speak to you in your heart that whatever wilderness you find that you first invite Jesus Christ into your life and make sure that he is your savior that you have a faith that is working not just a, a faith that is head knowledge but it's in your heart that you truly believe that Jesus, the bread of life, will supply that manner no matter what. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And that you truly believe underneath that waterline that God is going to be there. That he will be there for you. May you ask him to come into your heart. May you pray with him right now in your heart, with your mind, that he's going to be there. 
and wait. Philippians 4.19 My God, your God, shall supply all your need. Now he doesn't say some. He says all your need. According to his riches for his glory in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we forget who he is and what he can do. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time, for this foundational truth. And I ask that you come to us in a way and manner, Lord, like you've never done before, but that you come to us and you find us in our wilderness. We're out of options. We're out of solutions. We have nowhere else to turn but to you. Thank you for the faithfulness that we believe that you are there for us and with us and will supply all of our need. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.